<laughs> hey, Rosa. Hey, Gianna. Um, welcome, everybody, to The Last Brain Cell. Um, today, we talk a lot about therapy and how we both got started and kind of the, the biggest lessons that we've learned um, since being in therapy. I think therapy is something that has been more and more, mm -hmm. um, I guess, welcomed in these topics um, as we're talking about mental health. Um, yeah, and um, then we finish it off with some dad jokes that we were trying to do, trying not to laugh, but I think we kind of failed, <laughs> failed at that one, which you guys know that we love to laugh, so, um, but it's, it's fine. There are some pretty corny, corny dad jokes in there. Either way, this is a topic that can be a little bit heavier um, in the grand scheme of things, but you know, we try to keep some balance here. Yeah. Oh, and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. That's why we did the dad jokes on this episode because this will be coming out the day after Father's Day. Yes. So, definitely happy Father's Day. Um, I hope you guys had a wonderful day yesterday. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Happy listening, guys. All right, we're going to talk about therapy today. Um, I think, uh, we've had a few requests from a few people, um, to kind of talk about therapy. Um, so maybe we could just start talking about like how we got into therapy, you know, what kind of caused us to have to take therapy, <laughs> um, and then just kind of go from there. So, well... I have been with two therapists, and I've only started therapy in the pandemic. Mm. Do you think the pandemic is what caused you to really uh, need it? Yeah, I think so. I think being in the hospital and, you know, kind of being in this crisis mode mm -hmm. within the hospital system where people are getting sick, we don't know how to treat them, people are dying. Yeah. And that's just sort of like a consistent thing that you're seeing every single day. I mean, it takes a toll on you, you know, yeah. and that's definitely different from the nursing that I was doing previously. Um, and, you know, obviously Nick and I were in a different stage in our relationship. And, you know, as we talked previously about love languages, like we were still navigating towards that. And I didn't really know how to cope with learning how to love someone else who has a different love language mm -hmm. and taking care of myself in the process. Because that time I felt like it was, I have to give up everything that I know for him. And I had a really hard time learning how to compromise and meeting in the middle. Um, and so mentally I was just really unwell yeah. <laughs> through that whole process. It's, so. it's hard, like, going through it, like, trying to figure out who you are while also trying to love someone else. Yeah. You know, and it's not like, hey, we need to go on a break because I need to figure myself out. And then when I figure myself out, then we can be together. And that's honestly the route that I mm -hmm. thought you had thought to take. I needed to take. And at the time, it really, really put a damper mm -hmm. on my relationship. Well, it really helps having a partner that helps you through that, or at least stands by you while you yes. figure yourself out. Yes. And, you know, I don't want to say he holds it above me, but he does like to remind <laughs> me. <laughs> But I was not very nice at one point. <laughs> it's, it's healthy to joke about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so we all joke about it. It's all fun and games mm -hmm. now. So that's that's good. And, you know, 
I honestly can't say that therapy has helped. It has been helpful. It has been a very resourceful tool, mm -hmm. but I think um, therapy really forced me to recognize mm -hmm. my downfalls. I didn't have a therapist who really gave me advice mm -hmm. or told me what to do or, um, you know, had any kind of judgment in that way, which, you know, is okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I wish I had someone who was like, hey, why don't we try this? Let's try this exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I had, I've had a very different experience with therapy because I, I got forced into therapy because of the Navy. So my PTSD got so bad while I was in the Navy that I had a com complete like out of body experience. So um, the guy I was dating at the time I was with him when I had this breakdown and he was like, I don't know what to do. I'm taking you to the hospital. And so he took me to the ER and while I was sitting there waiting to be taken to the back, I like saw myself in the floor and I was stabbed. I don't know why I've never been stabbed in my life. Okay. So I don't know why that was the vision I saw, but I was like, like, seeing myself looking at myself just bloody you know and it was the weirdest experience but I remember they took me back into the for lack of a better word the suicide room <laughs> you know what I mean um there was you know it's exactly what you would imagine you know nothing but a bed it took everything away from me but my socks <laughs> you know what I mean I took all of my belongings I took all of my clothes and there wasn't even a pillow in the room, you know? And um, I remember I was there for what felt like forever. I had doctors coming in, different doctors coming in, speaking to me. Like it was a very exhausting time. And it was a, it was a naval hospital that he took me to. So the Navy got word, <laughs> obviously. And that's when, you know, word starting spread to my like, command. They took all of my weapons away from me. I never once said I was going to kill myself. Okay, mind you. Um, oh, well. Um, <laughs> I, um, like I said, they took all of my weapons away from me. And then once the Navy found out about it, they, it was like a automatic, like you have to go to therapy for this amount of time to determine if you're fit for duty. It's like return. Correct. So I was like, I was like a light duty basically. Um, and it was, it was in October. I remember this it was the beginning of October when this happened. So all of October, I was in therapy for what felt like forever. I remember that being the most exhausting time in my life. Did you at that time take therapy as seriously as you do say now? Because I know in that situation, this was a mandatory thing for you. This wasn't a voluntary choice that you made yeah. to do therapy to get better. So for me, it was more like, what other choice do I have? And I also, I didn't trust my own choices because I had a, a chief sit me down and he was my chief at the time. And he literally looked at me. He said, Andrews, do you want to stay in the Navy? He said, because if you want to stay in the Navy, I will do everything in my power to keep you in the Navy. And if you don't, I'll let it be. And I looked at him, I said, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I can make that decision on my own. 
because I couldn't trust what my brain was saying. You know what I mean? Um, it felt like there was someone else in my head telling me what to do, how to act. Cause like I, I, you know, completely lost my sense of self. Like it was so much so that the guy I was dating at the time, you know, um, I, I love Zaxby's. Okay. And, <laughs> and when I eat the fries or any fries for that matter, I put so much ketchup on it. Okay. And he made a comment to me that said, I don't think you actually like French fries. I think you just like ketchup. So I started thinking to myself, oh my, do I like French fries? Maybe it is ketchup that I like. So you're like, which is insane because French fries are incredible. You know what I mean? But like, I, I couldn't trust my own judgment or my own like mind enough to the fact that like, I was like, I can't make this decision. It's such a huge decision that I don't know if I can trust myself to make, you know? So I basically told him, I said, whatever the doctor deems fit is what I'm going to go with. And he said, okay. And so throughout therapy, you know, I definitely like, I didn't know how to approach therapy, I think, but I was definitely in it as much as I could be because the therapy that I did first was very structured. Like she gave me worksheets, like, oh my gosh, yes. And that's why it was so exhausting because I thought about every decision that I made before I made it. That is overwhelming in itself. It is. And, you know, I started thinking like in certain scenarios, well, maybe I am the issue in this scenario and I'm overreacting. So having to like think that and like stop, I mean, I was, I was so tired mentally, you know? And, um, once once I got out of the Navy, I didn't get back into therapy until a year later um, because they they didn't diagnose me with PTSD while I was in the Navy. They waited until I was out, which I think is still crazy. But um, So I got out in March, and then I went through the disability process trying to get my um, percentage. And um, through that process, you have to see specialty doctors with whatever you're trying to claim. And obviously one of them was mental health and I saw a therapist and kind of, he was asking me, I honestly don't remember much about the session, but he was asking me all of these questions. And at the end of it, he said, you have PTSD. And I started crying. And he was like, why are you crying? I was like, that's pretty deep. Like that's a, that's a big diagnosis. And he said, you had PTSD before I told you you had it. So what does this change? And I, I think he was mad at the Navy. He wasn't mad at me now that I'm looking back at it. Say, it sounds like he's a very, like, he was very stern. Yeah, very stern. He was very, he was an older guy. Um, but I think he was mad because the Navy worded it differently where they got through it. You know, they got around it kind of thing. But you know, I have the diagnosis anyways. And that was, that was during this, the summer. I started therapy in August, I think, or something. It was sometime in the fall. That was also a very structured program. It was a 12 week program called, um, oh darn. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, cognitive processing therapy, where basically you have to relive your trauma 
and work through it. So that was also very much like worksheets. Like I remember, I think the hardest part was my therapist told me I had to write down my trauma, like on paper, like in as much detail as I could make it. And I was like, okay, like I did that, got past it. I was like, she's going to get me to burn it or something. You know, I go into the next session. She wanted me to read it out loud. That is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Were you able to do it? I did it. I mean, I cried a lot, but I did it. Um, and then after that, like, that's when the therapy part came where she's like, it's not your fault. You know what I mean? Like, and I was, so avoidance is like a big, big, big thing for PTSD. And I had avoided the trauma in my head. Like it didn't happen. You know what I mean? So there were like gaps in my memory, um, that came up during this that I completely forgot happened. And then I'm like, how could I forget that happened to me? Your body does a lot to preserve self-preservation. Absolutely. And, and I did it so much. That's why I exploded. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why I always tell people like, don't, please don't suppress your emotions. Don't suppress things that happen to you because it's going to come out. It will. And in probably in a very, very unhealthy way, (laughs) you know, and, um, whenever I got through that process, I thought, Oh, I'm fixed. Everything's great. Take 12 weeks, 12 weeks. I'm fine. You know, and I was good for a few months. And, um, I, I lived with my mom as soon as I got out of the Navy and my poor mom, she's such a saint because she, she really helped me through it a lot. And she got the brunt of it. Um, the anger and my, my main, main emotion I did was anger. Um, and I went a few months fine and my therapist moved out of the state. So that was like the last time I saw her was the last time I saw her, you know what I mean? And I knew I could never go back to her cause she's in like Ohio or Indiana or something. And when I had my first breakdown after that, I like felt like I hit rock bottom again. Because I'm like, I was fine. I was fixed. You know what I mean? Why Why is it back? You know, because I, I w- the kind of injuries I was used to was like broken bones. You know what I mean? Pulled muscles. Like, you can fix those. You know what I mean? But like PTSD, like it was a huge realization that that's never going to go away. And when I hit that rock bottom again, I was like, am I going to have to go to therapy for the rest of my life? Am I going to go through periods where I'm fine? And then this happens again? Like, am I ticking time bomb? You know what I mean? It was like, it was a very hard, hard realization. You know what I mean? It's like, this is a part of me and it's never going to go away. You know? So now, now that I know that, cause that was in, 2019, um, which is actually right when me and Ben started dating too. So, you know, I think that was kind of hard for our relationship too, you know, because I remember one time there, we have a quesadilla maker and I couldn't close it. And when I tried closing it, I broke it. 
I had a complete make a breakdown about it. I shut myself in my closet. And I just couldn't process those emotions. And Ben was there. And I remember Ben like coming into the closet with me. <laughs> and like the way that he handled it, like proved to me that it's going to be okay for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? It's because like I'm not broken or even if I am broken, he still loves me broken. I don't have to be perfect all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're still worthy. Right. Oh, that's a big word. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, that, I think that's why, like one of the reasons why I latched on to him so quickly is the way that he handles me. You know what I mean? Because I'm a big personality person. (laughs) Um, I think I'm very likable for a lot of people, but once you like get to know the real, real me, it's not that it's hard to, hard to love me or whatever, hard to handle me, but I am a lot to handle for a lot of people. You know what I mean? You got to be a special person to handle me. <laughs> You're kind of people. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and having people around me that support me is, I mean, was a, you know, a deal breaker. You know, I can't imagine someone going through what I did or something similar and not having that support from their loved ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something we talked about just recently, you know, having a support system is so important Mm -hmm. to healing. Um, And it, it is very surprising to know if you start to think really hard about it, who's actually there and who's not. And sometimes the more you think about it, you realize that that number of people in your life really shrinks mm-hmm. into a very small number. And well, remember the, the other day when I was talking about this tattoo and my like ex-best friend, that's ultimately why we stopped being friends is because when I got that PTSD diagnosis, um, she was also going th- some, through something in her life and I hermit when, um, you know, at some points in my life where I'm like trying to deal with things cause I'm trying to deal with them on my own. And she got mad at me because I wasn't there for her. And it's like, well, what about me? I'm going through something too. Yeah. How do we determine whose problem is worse? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's no, my problem's worse than yours. So, you know, no, it, it, it should be. Hey, I understand you're going through something. I support you, but I can't help you right now. Yeah, it's like I'm also that. emotionally unavailable right now. Exactly, and I think that is a big thing for, especially you know, adult friendships. Is like, I understand that. I'll be here when you're ready. You know, and I don't know why that's so hard, but you would think communicating that would be easier said than done, but. I've experienced that and I've been the hermit and I've closed off and lost a lot of friendships along the way. Like it sounds so easy to just be like, Hey, I'm kind of going through something right now. Give me some time. You know, I'm still here. I still love you, but I'm kind of going through something. Just be patient, you know, but that's not an easy conversation to have because I feel like 
other emotions get mixed in and I feel like people by nature are very selfish. Mm -hmm. How do you feel, what is the most profound um, lesson that you've learned throughout therapy? I think the greatest lesson I have learned um, has been rather recent. Um, Someone told me that when it comes to anger, nine times out of ten you're not actually angry. You're suppressing another emotion. Because anger is so much easier to feel than sadness or betrayal. You know what I mean? Or even ignorance. You know, like if you don't know how to do something, you don't know how to fix something, I get angry. You know, so I think that has really helped. Because like if I'm angry, at most of the time I can take a step back and be like, why do I feel angry right now? What is the actual emotion that I'm trying to feel or trying not to feel? You know, I think that that has been the the biggest lesson in all of this for me. What about you? Um, my therapist actually told me something that I guess struck a nerve with me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not a nerve. Kind of pulled up my heartstrings a little bit. Because um, I was telling her, you know, this scenario that's going on, this is a stressor that's in my life. And I kept telling her, this is how I'm perceiving it you know, maybe I'm wrong in all of this and I'm just the one blowing things out of proportion. This is how I'm perceiving this information, this stressor. And she says, and she was like, I tell a lot of my patients that's because she was like, a lot of my patients are very similar to you where, you know, you're taking on a lot of this blame for how you are receiving information, receiving the stressor in your life. But she says, your perception is still reality. Yeah. So just because maybe you believe that things are blown out of proportion, it's still very real to you. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you need to learn how to recognize that, yeah, maybe you have blown things out of proportion a little bit, but it's still a real feeling to you to not undermine that emotion, that feeling that you have with whatever stressor that you have. That's something that um, I have to be self-conscious with is like when someone else is feeling something, if... I don't understand why they're feeling it. I still have to tell myself, your feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's why I never say like, oh, it's not that bad to someone else. Because to them, it is. To them, it could be. It feels like right. the end of the world. Right. Um, and I, I think that, like you said, that is a hard reality to learn. Yeah. And honestly, when you're learning that, it's very exhausting. Because you're accounting for your own feelings. You're accounting for someone else's feelings. Maybe not taking responsibility for their feelings, but trying to understand, okay, well, they might not be in a very mentally sound place. I should be careful with how I react and how I speak. Um, And I guess taking on both roles can be very tiring sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But um, I think it is very valuable information to know, Mm -hmm. you know. You know, overall, I really do think therapy has... I don't think talking about therapy can be wrapped up into one episode. No. <laughs> you know oh what I mean? Yeah, There's still touch, so much. Yeah. We're touching base on, like, childhood traumas. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of, like, just brushed the surface here. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is a good place to wrap our therapy conversation um yeah because we could talk for hours this is a topic that is so deep and so broad and and I know that 
therapy and mental health resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I definitely think we could continue this conversation um, another day, you know, and kind of, because I guess we, we really just talked about how we got into therapy and why it's useful. Yeah. Honestly, when we started this, we were like, you know, let's just talk about how we started therapy and just go from there. Which and I feel like we're both. still here. <laughs> <laughs> we're still in why we started therapy. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, there's definitely, and I think there's a, a bunch of different traumas too that we could talk about, you know, because your trauma is much different than mine, you know, but we're still kind of in the same place therapeutic wise. Yeah. I think all mentally ill people we, we gravitate <laughs> we gravitate towards each other. Um but yeah, I definitely think this is a good um good little way to end this. Um so now, since this is the Father's Day issue episode? Episode. Um I think episode. <laughs> Um, we're going to play another little game. We're going to do some dad jokes and it's going to be try not to laugh. Try not to laugh edition. Yes. So this is going to be fun. Um, and it'll be a nice little, you know, uplifting, maybe not uplifting, but funny, <laughs> funny way to end the episode. You guys a good laugh. Yes. Per usual. <laughs> um, but yes, let, we're going to get this together and start saying some dad jokes. Sounds great. Are you ready for some dad jokes? <laughs> Why don't eggs tell jokes? Hmm? They crack each other up. What did the horse say after it tripped? You're already laughing. Wait, I know. What, did, what did it say? Help, I've fallen and I can't giddy up. I don't trust those trees. They seem kind of shady. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl going to the bathroom? Because the pee is silent. Dad, did you get a haircut? No, I got all of them cut. Oh man, I heard that one. <laughs> Every dad in the <laughs> world has said that one. Um, what do you call a well-balanced horse? Stable. Why do you have a horse? <laughs> Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Why? Because then it would be a foot. Hmm. What do you call an angry carrot? A steamed vegetable. <laughs> How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? How many? Tentacles. Oh, and it gets eight. <laughs> what would bears be without bees? Ears. What? Ears. Say that again, I can't hear you. What would bears be without bees? Oh. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs>
Why did the bicycle fall over? Because it was too tired. I've heard of that. Oh. <laughs> I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. No, oh, no. <laughs> what did the triangle say to the circle? You're pointless. Oh, that's kind of mean. <laughs> it is. A circle is pointless. What do you call a lazy baby kangaroo? Hmm. A pouch potato. R.I.P. Boiling water. You will be missed. <laughs> what do you call a belt made of watches? Hmm. A waste of time. Oh, that's a good one. Why was Cinderella so bad at soccer? She kept running away from the ball. <laughs> How much does it cost Santa to park his sleigh? Mm. Nothing. It's on the house. Oh. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh. What do lawyers wear to court? Lawsuits. Oh, no. Why are piggy banks so wise? Why? They're filled with common sense. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think today um, was another little heavy topic, um, but we ended off with some some funny funny little dad jokes in light of Father's Day. Yes. So um, let us know in the comments again if you you know have any ideas. Um, like, comment, share, subscribe. Also, please share with us your experiences with therapy. Yes, I think it's very healthy to Tell, talk about. Yeah, let's, you know, learn from each other. And, you know, I think it'd be really cool to learn, you know, what mm -hmm. everyone else has learned from therapy. Any yes. profound lessons, any funny stories from therapy. I think that would be great if you guys would share with us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we will see you next time. All right, see you next week.